welcome to Bayer Cropcast with your technical field representatives from right around Australia. In this Cropcast, we'll give you a quick wrap-up of the season at hand and things to look out for, including events coming up around you and everything related to agronomy and growing healthy crops. We are passionate about the future of agriculture and crop protection, and we look forward to having you join us on Bayer Cropcast. Welcome to Bayer Cropcast. It's episode 10, and I'm joined by my colleague in Western Australia, Matt Willis. How are you today, Matt? Yeah, good. Thanks, Whitey. Pleasure to be here again. Uh, last episode had a few of the other guys from over east joining you, but uh, I'm back in the seat this time, which is, uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, no, there's plenty to talk about, Matt, and we've certainly got a bit more material later on in the show from over in the eastern states where they've been having a bit of a, a bad run, actually, with dry conditions and whatnot, but there still is a fair bit going on, you know, a lot going on there, and uh, listeners will be some interesting topics for you to listen to, as well as, you know, with harvest also sort of happening now, we're going to do a little segment on protecting your grain in the silo, so it's um, a product called Kobile, and we'll hear a little bit more about that later on, because at the moment, Matt, we're doing a lot of sort of uh, end-of-season um, you know, counts and things like that, or we've got them, and now we're crunching that data away. So, yeah, what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? Well, I've been lucky. Whatever the couple of weeks off leaves, so I haven't done anything <laughs> too exciting. Just have been spending time with the family and helping out around the house, doing a few odd jobs. But yeah, back in the back at work uh, today, so I thought it'd uh, be a good uh, mate way to spend some time with having a chat with you. Uh, but yeah, coming up, we've actually got a few uh, talks with uh, consultancy groups and agronomy groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're shortly going to talk to the Elders Agronomy Team and Lama Agronomy Team. We're going to be having meetings with Synergy Consulting guys and Farm and & Co. and going to be catching up with just individual consultants. It's really good to catch up, have a bit of a review of what's occurred over throughout the year and Going forward to planning for next year, it's good to catch up with them, answer a few questions and uh, work with them. It's always a, always been a pleasure to do so. Yeah, no, it's really important that end of year um, catch up and then we also start doing that again in the new year, um, sort of about the February time. But for now, is sort of just get us starting to get an idea of the harvest results that are coming in. Now, I know, Matt, you did some work this year with Tag Team Legume Inoculant. So do you just want to give listeners a bit of an idea about what you did and what the early results are showing you so far? Yeah, it was really interesting, Wally, because one of the primary aims of this trial at uh, everyone at West Midlands Group, the tag team, um, was looking at peat versus granular performance in the field. And uh, with the chickpeas, uh, it was a straight-up untreated versus a uh, peat, dry peat application, mm-hmm. uh, versus a, a granular um, applied with the seed. Um, and seeing, in this case, there was a significant uh, increase in nodulation, so they gave it a score rating uh, from zero to five, depending on how many nodules are on the root system, a significant increase in nodulation mm-hmm. with the peat product versus the granule, despite being uh, put in dry. Yeah, which six, that's interesting six. in itself, Matt, because normally with peats, you know, we um, certainly would like moist conditions for those to go into. So what do you reckon is mm. going on there? Well, I think it just comes down to a, a numbers game, a basic yep. numbers game, because there's, there's more of rhizobia present in a peat product, uh, a billion rhizobia per gram of peat, wow. than there is with a granular product. And and doing the rough numbers, you can lose up to 80% mm-hmm. of the, those rhizobia which are present in the peat um, uh, and still have enough there to get good inoculation, uh, according yep. to the nifty little GRDC uh, fact book on nodulation I was reading the other day. Um, and so it's just showing that it's not just a straight cut and paste, uh, cut and dry 
Um, it's if it's dry, go with the granule. If it's the wet, go with the peat. Like this showing with this trial here, we were able to get 16 days of dry conditions and still outperform the the, the peat outperform the granule. And as we know, the peat product is about half the price of the granule, so we can get away with using the peat uh, more often with confidence. Um, that could be uh, really helpful for both growers and advisors. Yeah, I think it really would be, and it's um, really good to know. And there's more information at tagteam.com.au. Um, mm. Expecting obviously harvest or yield results off that shortly as well yeah so that'll be that'll be half it's the same with both my demos so that one there and a similar one in meckering where we're comparing it with a few competitors mm-hmm. uh, we should be getting uh talking to the the grower who's hosting the trial at meckering so uh, that's going to be harvested probably late this week so if we head out there and hop in the header with him as we take that off and get some numbers and uh better present it to those guys we mentioned earlier on uh, when we do our grummy presentations uh in december yeah, now just on those agronomy presentations we mentioned, we're doing those at, during December to a whole range of people, and that's happening right around Australia, in fact, but also next year um, we'll be talking to them, of course, about foliar fungicide protection, and certainly in the mm. case of Aviator X-Pro and Evergold Energy, we did a lot of trials on those, but um, just first, you wanted to talk a little bit about Aviator X-Pro and some results you're seeing there. Yeah, so the, uh, I know we're going to talk about uh, fungicide sequence control, which we have mentioned in multiple mm-hmm. episodes this year, but there was, there was one more trial we had uh, Gil and Gara did with Erin uh, Cahill from the Agvivo group. Um, we're just looking at uh, uh, both compatibility of Aviator with UIN, but also uh, comparing Aviator with different fungicides for spot form net blotch in barley. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- we did see, uh, I haven't got the numbers in front of me, uh, we're still going to crunch those numbers later in the year for these presentations, but the assessment showed that the Aviator was the best product there in terms of protecting the leaf from disease development. Um, and then there was a different products went down in performance product by product. But Aviator was the best performing product there. Um, and we, we'll be taking that to yield. We've had a few queries from different people throughout the year asking for some of these disease trials to be yielded, particularly in a year like this where there is some debate with a dry finish that you might not see a benefit of protecting your crop if, this, if the crop hays off really quickly. So it'll be interesting um, to see if that translates to yield because I was out at this trial in the first week of October, so things are well and truly haying off. And you could see the, the plants treated with Aviator were still green or greener than the other uh, treatments. Yeah, and likewise, um, certainly in the uh, work I've been doing as well, seeing that that effect, and and then in the sequencing trials, um, mm. we certainly really have seen that that Aviator X Pro combined with a good upfront strategies. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm really waiting to look forward to those results, those yield results, which we should see some differences between. Yes, and uh, we certainly throughout the year with our assessments, we've both had these sequence mm-hmm. trials, is seeing that Evergold, uh, and particularly an Evergold with a product like Uniform, which gives us uh, uh, the se- protection at the seedling stage of the crop um, from spot form netflot and other foliar diseases, and then being able to come back with uh, the best foliar fungicide, which being, uh, in this case, uh, Aviator Expro and SDHI and uh, triazole fungicide, being able to come back with that after that uh, early treatment of Evergold and Uniform, and it's looking like the cleanest plots in both our trials consistently, um, and not just from what we've been saying, but from other visitors and guests we've had in the trials, they've been able to pick it out each time. So it's going to be very interesting to see the yield results from these trials, which I'll be getting uh, once again. I think that's going to be this week as well. It's going to get harvested, so it should have 50 yield data to work off there. 
Yep, also similar. So, yeah, listeners, what we did there was certainly looking at the best upfront strategy. Do you put it all in the furrow? Um, what product do you choose? Um, we've talked about these on previous crop casts, as Matt said, and now um, during the, the sort of spring period, we looked at, you know, which foliar strategy, and now it's the crunch time to getting that grain off and into the bin, and uh, we are hoping for some great results on that. That will help you listeners out there next year uh, form up some good strategies for how to you know, protect your crop right through from seeding through to harvest. Mm, mm, definitely. And speaking of harvest, Whitey, I suppose it's an appropriate time for you to talk about uh, KBL. Yeah, well, look, with the grain coming off or, you know, harvest coming off right around Australia, um, I caught up with Daryl Swartz, who's um, from Environmental Science, a part of Bayer, and we did a little discussion about a product called KBL, and it's a grain protectant. So as you're putting, you know, grain into a silo, it can provide, um, you know, really good protection against the whole range of silo-related pests. So we can have a listen to that little snippet on KBL with Daryl Swartz right now. Sounds good. Well, currently with the harvest going on, you know, growers are out there trying to get the best they can off their crops, all that work that they've put in during the season. And, of course, as they harvest it, they want to know that when it goes into the storage that they can actually protect it from grain insects and issues like that. And I'm joined today by the Environmental Science Sales and Marketing Manager for Australia, Daryl Swartz. How are you today, Daryl? Good, thanks, Craig. Very good. Um, Yeah, just happy to be on and having a chat to you about KOBOL today. Yeah, no, it'd be really good to talk about that, Daryl. I mean, look, Bayer's a very diverse company. We have, obviously, the crop protection side of things, traits, you know, all sorts of manner of things. But a lot of people may not know that we also have an environmental science business within Australia, and you're the sales and marketing manager for environmental science. And specifically today, we want to talk about how we can protect our grain when it's in the silo with KOBIL. So can you tell us a little bit about what, what KOBIL is, Daryl? Yeah, thanks, Craig. Yeah, KOBIL is a grain protectant. Uh, so KOBIL has been on the market for, for many years now and it's, uh, it's used to protect grain when it's going into storage, essentially when it's going into a silo. Uh, so you can use it on sealed or unsealed silos and it's, it's treating the grain as it's being loaded into the silo when it's on the auger. So it sounds fantastic, the fact that it can protect in both sealed and unsealed, because often that is an issue on farm that, you know, you may not have the sealed silo. Um, There are other things, I suppose, where the sealed silos are really important. But, yeah, can you just sort of elaborate a little bit more on how a grower goes about applying it and, you know, what will it protect against and for how long, Daryl? Yeah, so it protects against a range of of grain pests, so sawtooth grain beetle, uh, flat grain beetle, you've got confused flower beetle, rust red flower beetle, uh, tropical warehouse moth and lesser, lesser grain borer. Uh, so it's treated at, at one litre per 50 litres of water. Uh, but what we also need to consider with KOBIL, being being a Delta Methrin product, there is a little bit of resistance seen to some insects uh, there as well. So we do recommend treating and, and putting in, well, it's actually on the label, um, to, to have a organophosphate. So, so on the label, uh, there's, there's a recommendation for phenetrothyron and chlorpyrifos as well. Yeah, no, it sounds sounds quite good. And so listeners can get the latest label off the website. They just look for environmentalscience.bayer.com.au or, of course, a simple Google search for KOBIO and we'll have the name of that in the uh, podcast notes as well, Daryl. Yeah, absolutely. It's quite a um, intuitive website. We've got all of our products listed on the environmental science website uh, for our business. 
Uh, so KL Bile's on there and it's quite easily accessible so you can ac access label information, uh, some product information, SDS and, and so on. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's really handy to, to make sure that you've got all of that information at hand, uh, especially when you're dealing with any chemical. Uh, so, you know, really important to, to get yourself up to date uh, on, on the website and, uh, yeah, hit us up with any questions that you may have in regards to the website or any feedback. We're always looking to improve. Yeah, and I think that's the great thing about the whole Bayer network. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, available for listeners to talk to. So make sure you get in touch if something doesn't make sense or you do have some feedback. We certainly are available for that. Now, just on the range of crops, um, it's all the cereal grains, um, the coarse grains, but there's a couple of things we don't use it on, I suppose, a few crops. Can you just elaborate on the crop range that this will protect? Yeah, so it's, it's used on basically stored cereal grain. So including malting barley, sorghum, uh, rice and maize. Uh, and, you know, it's quite effective on those on those grains as a protectant for up to nine months. And I guess there's a few things to consider when treating the grain as well. If, if you're... Um, you can only really treat the grain once. So especially if with residue limits, um, we've got a, you know, a stewardship program in place to ensure that the operators or the, or the farmers that are treating the grain follow that process so that they do not you know, inadvertently treat the grain t twice mm -hmm. uh, to get those residue levels up. So I think it's you know important to you know, the stewardship program that we have is, is, is you know, important to, to us as a company. Uh, to the, the people that are using the product are not making the mistake of, of treating twice or over treating. So a really important point there that look, it's available for the protection of the cereal grains or cereals against a range of insect pests um, in the silo for a good number of months too, Daryl, but it's really important that uh, we undertake some basic uh, training so that we don't have those um, double-ups and things like going. So how do growers and listeners out there get access to KOBI? What do they need to do as part of this training? Yeah, so it's for use, uh, for sale to approve users only. And we've got free training on a, on a web, web portal, uh, which is at environmentalscience.bayer.com.au. Uh, that'll train you on the correct use of KO Bile. It, it also touches on workplace health and safety, uh, use of PPE, uh, grain to be treated once, and the reasons for this requirement. So, again, just elaborating on that. And the use of vendor declarations as well, uh, which are important when you have treated the grain that you, you've, you obviously filled out the declaration to ensure that it goes along with the grain. Uh, so the next handler or, or, or the person that's purchasing the grain uh, fully understands that it's been treated. Now, we, the approved resellers will be required to check buyers that are approved users on, on the website. Uh, they can access the website uh, themselves and they also do the training and they ensure that whoever's buying the grain or who it's sold to uh, has carried out the correct training is, and is authorised and approved to, to use KOBile. That sounds like a really comprehensive system, but of course, you know, it doesn't. I don't think it's too difficult to to get that training. How long would you know a listener that hasn't used this before and hasn't done the training? How long should they expect to spend on on getting themselves up to speed so they can use KOBile? Yeah, it, it's not long at all. There's there's um, you know a bit of theory to go through and some questions at the end, and there's, there's some short videos as well that really thoroughly explain it. So I think you could 
you, you could really get a good understanding of the use of KOBOL in about 40, 45 minutes max. Oh, it sounds fantastic for the benefits that it'll provide, um, you know, 40 to 40, 45 minutes um, of information there, which is fantastic and really good for anyone, I'm, I'm, I'd imagine. Um, you know, it's well worth getting onto it. So how do they access that again, Daryl? Uh, they can either contact myself uh, or visit the environmentalscience.bayad.com.au website and send us a, um, a request. Uh, they can also contact our customer service centre as well uh, with Bayad. Bay customer service and they can call the customer service line. They'll get in touch with us and, and make sure we point you in the right direction. So it sounds great, Daryl. Look, we'll put all those uh, key points in the podcast notes, um, how to access it as well and get in touch. And as we said, there's always plenty of people to talk to at Bayer and they'll be able to point you in the right direction. But in summary, um, can you give us just the key points about KOBile again for listeners out there? Yeah, so KOBile, um, active ingredient is deltamethrin with bitoxide in it as well. We call it EC Combi. Uh, it's a protectant only, grain protectant. It uh, gives up to nine months of protect, protection on the grain. Very, very cost effective. Um, you know, even when used with fentropion or chlorpyrifos, it is, you know, extremely cost effective. And, you know, you, you're looking at about $2 a tonne. So I don't see what, what the point would be with risking not treating your grain um, at that price, especially with the costs that you know you could incur if you do get an infestation, um, but it's available to farmers and and bulk grain handlers and um, on farm storage. We've got a stewardship program with training uh, that is required, and very important not to treat the drain, the grain twice um, because of the residue levels and and so on. Uh, but once the grain is treated, is in a very very effective way to ensure the quality of your grain and making sure that it doesn't have any insects uh, when when you're storing it or, or on selling it. Oh, sounds good, Daryl. There's so much work goes into getting it to that point, so protect it with KOBile. And Daryl, just like to thank you for giving us some great insights into how to get access and you know what use KOBile will be for growers and listeners out there. Yeah, thanks very much, Craig. Appreciate you spending the time with me. So there you have it. We heard from Daryl Swartz and myself there talking about Kobile grain protectant. And look, it just is really important to say, you know, it is um, available for use on farm by accredited grain growers in all states except Western Australia. In Western Australia, Kobile is only available for use by approved bulk grain handlers. Um, but again, if you do that training and come up and have a look at that, uh, that'll certainly give you the right information on where to go with Kobile. So very useful product for protecting the grain in the silo so the insects don't eat it, Matt. Certainly, certainly. Now, Matt, I know you just said you'd been on a little bit of leave. Did you go get away fishing or do anything like that? No, mate. I was at home, uh, been a, a good hu- husband and father. I uh, didn't really uh, do anything too exciting, unfortunately. Well, what, what do you? Oh, what do you? What do you fish? Yeah, it sounds like you're fishing. I'm for fishing with something. Here, something. Yeah, no, no. Look, you know, it's when it's really, really busy, it's always good to get away for a few days off or whatever. And um, back in October, I did get away with the family, and we did quite a lot of fishing. And I actually. I uh, met this fella over there that's actually retired and he said to me, you know, um, such busy lives that everyone has and whatever and, you know, you know, it's always a good few days, you know, good to get a few days off or whatever when you're working. But he said, now I'm retired, the trouble is I never ever get a day off. <laughs> so he thought he was a bit hard done by, but no, it was pretty cool. In fact, I was uh, saying how good it was to get a few days off, but retired people apparently never get a day off from retirement, oh, which is true. Yeah, but- it's true that, but uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> now, also, Matt, we had a range of trials around Australia this year looking at TrueFlex canola, and I saw really great results in the trial I had at um, Catanning, for example, and you can really see the, the you know, the different um, treatments separating. And in the last CropCast, episode nine, Hugh Trenorden and myself, we did a virtual walk through that trial. So if listeners are interested in more about that specifically, they can go back to episode nine. But you wanted to talk a little bit about what you've seen with the TrueFlex system, canola system this year. Yeah, well, obviously throughout October, we go around and do panicle counts for all any trial generally involving grasses, say barley grass or mainly annual rye grass. It's with the hay fever medicine. With the hay fever. And it's always a challenge finding volunteers to assist me in this process because if you do it by yourself, it can take a very long time. So I managed to get a couple of, uh, I wouldn't say entirely willing, but I got some volunteers anyway. I think it had Tim Stiffy with me and Ty Gronau and uh, Hugh Trenorden actually came along for a few of them as well. And uh, we, uh, it was interesting when we got to the, uh, the TruFlex trials, uh, there were certain treatments there, those which use uh, TruFlex systems in particular, where they were actually very easy to count because you'd look in the plots and you'd, you'd struggle to find uh, any panicles at all. So there'd be a lot of zero readings. And yep. so the, the guys were very very much enjoyed their TruFlex assessments because yeah, anywhere where the TruFlex systems had been used, there was uh, no weeds at all or, or very few uh, in relation to, say, the uh, TT ones where there could be, particularly where there was some group A resistance in the far north of WA, uh, there were quite a few numbers. Um, so that was uh, interesting. And then whilst we are also doing that, we are we're doing assessments in some uh, annual ryegrass trials looking at uh, Sakura and Sakura Flow and, and other currently available competitors and uh, as well as a uh, a product or two that Bayer is investigating for the future as well, but and the, the, the counting there wasn't quite so easy, particularly with the untreated, of course, but yes, some of the other competitors didn't do as well. But it was good to see uh, in those trials that, um, yeah, the Sakura and the Sakura Flow all performed very well throughout the year. They started off strong and kept on working, as we know it does with its long uh, residual uh, period, um, and so, yeah, it was generally the easiest ones to count of those, particularly of the pre-emergent products. Yeah, so... Listeners, Sakura Flow, what we're talking about there is a liquid formulation of Sakura. Mm. So people have known Sakura granule for quite some time and we're saying, look, it's one choice. You know, Sakura really does stand out um, as the standard these days, but you've got two options. You've got a liquid formulation now called Sakura Flow, an SC mm. formulation, or you also have the granule, the one that a lot of people they like. And if you want more information about that, uh, get in touch with your local Bayer representative. Mm, and I know there were a few people's concern that uh, the granule was disappearing, but no, it's been it'll be there in addition to the liquid. The both will be Absolutely. available, on the, and yep. liquid has a very low use rate uh, per hectare, which is good. As uh, I know, there's a few products out there you can have uh, very large volumes in shuttles and bag upon bag of product. It's a nice bit of going with something with a low application rate and keep the handling to a minimum. Yep. So 210 mils per hectare for Sakura Flow. So. That's really important to remember and uh, we love it in trials because liquids are nice and easy to, to measure when you're doing small amounts yeah. in the small plot trials, Matt. Exactly. And uh, there's been some of the positive feedback around Sakura Flow as guys are able to go in there with their, uh, their systems uh, for loading up their boom sprays so they don't have to come into contact with the herbicide at all. They just have it straight in their enviro, put in the, uh, and suck it up and uh, they don't have to touch it at all, which they're, a lot of people are a big fan of. So it just gives the option, whatever suits each system. Some guys might prefer granules, others might prefer liquid. They've got the choice. Yep, no, so both available of that great product. And as Matt alluded to, we are working on developing new uh, sort of new concepts and new products down the track. And there'll be more on that uh, as we go along through the years on Bayer Cropcast. Mm, certainly. 
Yeah, so Matt, we're obviously in that time of year where we're, you know, focusing on all the trial work and the results coming in or whatever, and we'll update again before the end of the year, no doubt, uh, on another Bayer crop cast. But, you know, next year is another year, and we'll, of course, have lots of information available. But, you know, outside of that, I suppose uh, I've been here and you've been doing a bit of um, bit of activity out in the parks or something. Is uh, You wanted to yeah, tell me about yeah. an app that you're using now. An app, yeah, well, it's an app and it's also an event. A few people might have heard of this because it's uh, it's been occurring. It's, it's a global uh, event, you could say. Uh, it's, it occurs all around the world. And in WA, there's over 30 of these events. It's an event called a park run, which is uh, I've been trying to be a bit healthy recently. I've been eating too many sausage rolls and such in Bay Marie's <laughs> as I've been driving around throughout the winter. So I've been doing this uh, thing called a park run. And this is a, basically it's a free event every Saturday at 8 a.m., uh, goes all around the world, but in WA they've got ones in Albany, in Mora, Geraldton, uh, Manjimup, Collie, uh, all throughout the Perth area. There's probably about another 20 or so within the Perth area, and then a few down the Southwest Capes as well. But basically, you turn up at 8 a.m. on a on a Saturday and you run 5k's for free, and they give you a time at the end of it, and you just do it every week, and you set yourself goals, or you can race against someone. I'll go with one of my mates, and we um. We're each trying to get a, a sub 20 minute 5k. That's our current goal. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm working towards it. And there's, a, there's an app that comes where you can uh, download on your phone as well. And that keeps track of everything, graphs your progress. And so I've been doing that for uh, 47 times over the last 12 months. I've done that. And I've been in a plot my, uh, my progress. So it's been really fun. So yeah, look, look for that at parkrun.com.au and you better find out the nearest one to use. If you're staying in one of those places I mentioned before, you're in Perth the weekend. Uh, and you're feeling like you want to do a bit of exercise, but you just can't quite be motivated. It's a good one just to pop down. And as I said, 5Ks, it's free. Um, and, yeah, it's a little bit of uh, self-improvement. It's, uh, it's particularly this time of year when we're trying to burn off those extra calories which are built up over the winter. Yep, a lot of driving and uh, sitting, but also a lot of bending over and counting. But uh, still, mm. yes, you're right about that. So what was the name of that app again? It was uh, parkrun.com.au to find out about it and, uh, yeah, the Parkrun app. There's uh, there's a few different apps you can get, but the main Parkrun one, you find that. It's called Parkrun um, and you better plot your progress if you're, you're doing these runs. Yeah, sounds good. Now, the one I wanted to just quickly talk about was one called Eyes on the Street. So this is part of Crime Stoppers WA. So, you know, it's unfortunate there are people that are often around trying to knock people's uh, – you know, valuable possessions off or livestock or whatever, and it's uh, it's really annoying. And this little app that I came across, um, you know, unfortunately, it just a requirement for it was um, a thing called Eyes on the Street. You can report things straight through to um, Crime Stoppers, so it allows you to take the photos and actually load it up as a, a proper little report straight through to them. So Eyes on the Street, industry reporting, reporting, um, just a great one to have if you're out and about on the farms and just, um, you know, keep those uh, those people, light-fingered people away from us, Matt. Mm, heard about that someone was stealing grain off someone in the south coast uh, the other week as well, yeah. which is uh, the, the criminals know no bounds, I'd no. say. We could probably do a whole podcast on what we think about that, but we better not do mm. that right here. No. <laughs> <laughs> and um, any yeah, any facts or anything other information oh, you wanted geez, to pass I, over there, Matt? I got some good feedback about my farmers' union one last. Uh, oh yeah, uh, farmers' cast. union ice coffee. I actually sometimes uh, wonder how many people actually listen to this, Whitey, and, I, and sometimes I doubt <laughs> myself, but I, I had about two or three people come up to me the following week after we had that, that crop cast and uh, said, oh, I heard you talk about Farmers Union iced coffees. So obviously, it's coming through to some people, and uh, I, I don't think my fact that today is quite as stimulating. It's more of a straight bat sort of mm-hmm. just around agriculture in general, but how many... 
people do you think the average farm in Australia provides food for, Whitey? So, oh, a few hundred, so not, would so, be, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. So on average, on average uh, Australian farm produces enough food to feed 600 people. Wow. So, um, yep. 100, and that works out from the way that um, where the food all goes, but 150 people in Australia and 450 people overseas total, for, so total of 600 people per farm in, uh, in Australia. And uh, we provide uh, 93% of our food uh, is, provi- is provided domestically. So that means that we're one of the most food-secure countries in the world because we pr- make 93% of our food requirement in Australia, which is uh, a good thing to hear. Well, that is great to hear because sometimes you can think that, yeah, there's not a lot of that happening. We know it's being produced and, you know, you get people that say, oh, well, Australia just exports everything. But, of course, we've mm. got a you know, growing large population here that still requires food and, I, you know, I hope people mm. do appreciate it. But um, Yeah, well, this- we're pretty... We produce that much, but yeah, we uh, because we produce that much, we can export. We export about seventy-seven percent mm-hmm. of our food. We're still with that remaining twenty-three percent. We're still uh, pro- providing ourselves with ninety-three percent of our requirements. You'd imagine the other seven percent would be exotic foods, things that we don't produce or manufacture in large volumes in Australia, and so we're going to bring that in. But it's uh, really good to see our, our farmers and our our supply, our, our primary uh, producers, uh, really keeping our food secure. That sounds great, and uh, you know we're just a part of that to help listeners that are growing the food out there in the in on the farms and moving it around and what have you. We're part of that to help you protect that and grow that. So you know, if there's mm. anything, any ideas you have, any topics you want to uh, have on Bayer Cropcast, you know, get in touch with us. Where you know Matt and I are here and the whole Bayer Crop Science team, we're here to um, have a chat to talk to any time, and we'll give out some details at the end how to get in touch. But we do want to thank you very very much for actually listening and the listening numbers are going up and up every every episode which has been fantastic so thank you and mm. Matt I know you've got to get going now so um, thanks very much for being on the Cropcast and yeah, I'm going to go off and have a on. chat with some other colleagues from around the rest of Australia Very good mate, thanks for having me on here again and I look forward to being back in the future Yep, we'll talk to you very soon Matt, thanks See you all, bye bye on the last Bayer Cropcast, I caught up with Richard Jackman from up in Queensland and uh, we had a discussion about a good range of topics back then. There was a lot of field days going on and uh, planning underway for a range of trials. So Richard's joined, joining us here again today on Bayer Cropcast. How are you today, Richard? Good variety. How are you, mate? Yeah, going good, mate. So the uh, back end of the year and, you know, the pointy end, I suppose, but uh, certainly for Broadacre, but when it comes to other crops and other sort of parts of the business that's only just starting to crank up. So what's going on around your area at the moment? Yeah, righty. There's a little bit that's happened. Um, there's a little bit of harvest that's gone on, a lot of cutting for silage that's gone on. Um, trial-wise, I've had a um, two or three trials already harvested with a couple more hopefully going to get going in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, we've got a, a pre-emergent, um, pre- and post-emergent trial that's come off, which showing some interesting results. Um, Our tag team legume trial, it's been harvested and it looks like there's a good treatment effect there, which is what we wanted. And surprisingly enough, one of the chickpea disease trials, which didn't have any chickpea disease there, um, has actually shown a treatment effect, um, which is a nice little extra. Yeah, so if we look at, um, you know, some of those very early results, Matt Willis and myself, we were talking about some of the early harvest results in Western Australia, um, certainly from the pre-emergent and post-emergent grass and broadleaf trials we've got, as well as fungicide work. And yeah, so from your side, you know, how's the, how did the the sort of the weed efficacy trials actually turn out? What what sort of what are the key, big key messages there? 
Whitey, we didn't really get the um, in-crop rain to bring up the weeds this year, but we did get a few. Um, mm-hmm. Black oats was probably the big focus um, this year with the early early rain that did happen. Looks like our, our new pre-emergent, post-emergent herbicides looking very good. Um, yeah, but most of my trials are going to be probably, we're going to get some good uh, crop safety data plus a little bit of weed efficacy data out of them. So we get to see how they perform in a dry season, I guess, is yeah. what we achieved. I think that's what we were saying last time. It is valuable um, information to have. So they, the new pre- and post-emergent herbicide that we're developing, still a couple of years away, um, showing good results, and that's what we've seen over here in the West as well in comparative trials against you know the standards that are out there. So good to hear. And in terms of the tag team, um, inoculum, how did that go um, this year, Richard? Look, probably um, the tag team looks like it's um, performing equally as well, um, if not slightly better, in, um, particularly in the chickpeas. The favour beans, was, the results were a little bit flat, but there's certainly improvement across all inoculants relative to the untreated. So, yeah, we'll just need to sit down and look at the data a little bit more closely. But, yeah, at the moment there's a good good um showing that tag teams perform equally as well if not slightly better than what the other commercial op- options are out there and yeah some good information about tag team at tagteam.com.au so worth having a look at there um and getting the good in, good information about that now finally just on the trials and results you mentioned that not a lot of disease in the chickpeas this year because of the season but you got a yield response there a treatment effect yeah, look, um, the focus of the trial was based around aviator compared to um, some of the standard options that are out there. And um, what what looks looks like, just quickly, was the aviator at the um, particular the higher rate has given a um, yield boost. So, yeah, well, we've got that um, period now where we re- where we review these results. Um, look at them, work out what has gone on and why that is, and then we start to do the advisor updates in December and also next year in about February, all the advisors come along to our Bayer Innovation Connect events and we give them the um, the summaries and good information so they're well-tuned to give growers that advice on our products out there, Richard. That's right, yeah. Good. Now, um, also coming into the more the summertime and we've obviously got, uh, you know, fallow, potential things to, to think about, but you also wanted to talk about um, over-the-top crop, you know, applications of herbicides over the top of the crop. With the purchase of Monsanto, we're um, in the cotton business. So um, Monsanto have been developing their um, Roundup Extend Flex um, cotton systems, which is um, which is introducing the uh, dicamba trait or Extend Flex trait so the the new cotton system will um, incorporate uh, two new herbicides into the system so we're currently using um, we've got the option of using roundup ready over the top we will now have the opportunity with the new system once it's introduced in a few years time the other use glufosinate and um, our extend flex or dicamba herbicide so we've got we've got a number of trials around the um, country this year ranging from basically emerald in the in the north down to deneloquin we've got some of these will be just fallow so looking at the the use of these these herbicides in a um, systems approach um, we've got about seven of those around this around the um, countryside and then we've got four over the top um, trials which 
Um, one on the downs, which I'm involved in, plus one at Gundawindi. Um, we've got one at our research farm, and, and then we've also got one at Griffith. Uh, the cotton trials is a full system of trial, so we'll have we've got the new trait in the co um, cotton varieties, which we're still in um, development, but then we'll also have the herbicide technology as well. So the, um, we'll look at how to use glyphosate, how to use glyphosate and how to use dicamba and what each different um, product brings as far as weed control and some of those hard to kill weeds and the resistant weeds and then we'll also look at the, the use of the different combinations on trying to control it so there's we're, we're planning that field day so we're hoping the downs field day will be late november early december our first field walk There'll be one at Lock Arbor. We'll try to do a field walk through, and then the one again the wind is going to be timed for sort of around that March period. Uh, more information to follow on Bayer Cropcast, no doubt, um, when those are yeah. ready to view and, and some of the early information that will come out of those. It sounds really useful, Richard. Those system approach trials are really, really good. We have you know do them in broadacre as well, broadacre crops or winter crops, and, uh, yeah, the growers um, really like those types of trials because it shows them, you know, what – uh, the systems can do in a combination approach, not just a singular element. And those new technologies coming out from Bayer, um, as we learn together, uh, is going to be really good to show people, no doubt. That's right, Whitey. They're, they're, they're good trials. We put a lot of thought into them. There's, um, there's a big list of treatments, I think something like 17 different treatment combinations. So hopefully it'll give everybody enough um, good insight onto how each different um each different herbicide fits into their um, into their system or their their cropping system where they've got different weeds and yeah hopefully we've got some new new technology to control some of those hard to kill weeds that we're starting to um, struggle with. Yeah, and what are some of those, Richard? Just off the top of your head. Our focus our focus is around both grasses and um, broadleaf variety. We're looking at. Um, Barnyard grass, Fevertop Roads grasses, windmill grasses, um, even annual ryegrass um, for the southern regions. Um, the north broadleaf weeds are really focused around the vines. So you often these, including your peach vines, um, cow vines, bell vines. We're looking at uh, south thistle and um, fleabane as sort of our target weeds. And then there's, an, there's some other broadleaf weeds there we know will have a good fit on as well, but they're probably the real key focus points I guess for this year's trial work. Yeah and I know you've um, collected some seeds for some resistance weed resistance testing and uh, Bayer has a pretty comprehensive program at mixitup.com.au and um, you know all of that information that comes out of those is mapped there so listeners you can get on to the mix-it-up.com.au and there's a thing called a resistance tracker on there and you can actually see where the resistant weeds are or are not all around um, the different parts of Australia so pretty interesting and we'll obviously keep building on that as the years go by Rich. That's right yeah we, we need it I, uh, we've had some issues at our trial site this year with um, Solaris and wild oak control um, from some of the Group A um, herbicide options that are out there. So, yeah, I guess the, the database to the north is a little bit thin. So, yeah, to encourage people to um, yeah, send in there, do some testing to try to build that database so we get a good map of what's going on around the countryside. 
Yep, sounds like great advice to me. And uh, Richard, thanks very much for giving us an update on you know how the winter trials have gone, and also now a bit of the planning and some great activities coming up in the over the top um, treatments that that'll be you know going into the ground and getting done over the summertime, and you know with great viewings early next year. That's right, Whitey. No, we'll keep you in touch with what's going on, and um, yeah, hopefully those that are interested um, do try to make contact with myself or our sales teams and come along to our field field days that we'll hold later in the year and early next year. Fantastic. Always good uh, catching up with you, Richard, and we'll talk to you again soon before the year's out, no doubt, on Bayer Cropcast. Thanks, Whitey. Talk to you later. So we just were talking to Richard Jackman over in Queensland and uh, staying with the eastern side of Australia. I'm now catching up with my good colleague over in New South Wales, Gus McLennan. How are you today, Gus? Very well, Whitey. Very well indeed, thanks. Yeah, it's good, man. Mate, I've been seeing a few photos of you on a small plot harvester out in some of your trials, so can you tell us a little bit about what were you harvesting and taking off there? Yeah, um, so I've been, uh, well, finished up harvest this week. It was pretty short and sharp, to be honest. Mm. Um just harvesting a few replicated trials where we had the um, irrigation availability. Yep. Um, all, all the dry land stuff that happened this year uh, didn't really eventuate to to be worthy of harvest. So, unfortunately, uh, we li- missed out on the opportunity to harvest a lot of trials, but um, we're fortunate enough in the same respect to, to have some irrigation uh, out at tomorrow. And so, you know, I've harvested probably half a dozen trials this week uh, across a range of different um, uh, products and crops, but yeah, it all went fairly well. I yet to crunch the numbers on it, but um, yeah, that irrigation makes a lot of difference. Yeah, for sure. Yep, certainly is the number crunching coming out. I talked to Matt Willis earlier on about that as well, and that's the busy time for you and I and everyone in our team um, from now on to to make sense of all that. So I suppose some, you know, has there been any standouts? You know, even as you're just in that header, um, we'll talk on later Bayer crop casts about the results, of course, once we've crunched them. But is there anything that's sort of standing out to you just at the moment that you can uh, share with the listeners of Bayer Cropcast? Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I suppose uh, sitting on the header, you get a number of different perspectives. Uh, sitting up and looking down directly into the plot, you get a good idea of which treatments have given good weed control, um, and also coming through on the yield monitor, uh, and also an idea of, of the variation in yields between plots. Um, and you know, without specifically knowing which plots are which, uh, it was pretty easy to determine. Um, the better of the treatments and, mm-hmm. um, you know, curiosity gets you bet- gets the better of you when you're on the plot harvester and you <laughs> look up the trial map and um, look, we've seen some really good uh, weed control results which have reflect- also been reflected in yield as well. Uh, with Bayer 167, the new uh, really flexible herbicide we've got coming through the pipeline, um, the Rhizoctonia inoculated work was really interesting, some, some reasonably big differences in yield there between uh, upfront seed treatment and infurrow uh, treatments for Rosatonia. Uh, and again, Evergoal Energy, I think that the 260 mil top label rate was was a clear standout there, and, and that was reflected in our um, assessments throughout the year as well. Sounds, um, really, sounds really good. And you mentioned um, you know a few trials you've harvested, but on that uh, Bayer 167, we'll obviously be talking next year, 2020, more about that, Gus, but um, same low results over here. That's really been a strong product um, in the trial work at the moment, uh, both on broadleaf and grass. Was yours grass weeds or broadleaf in your case? 
Uh, predominantly grasses in, in these yield trials, yeah, that's yep. where we seem to see the, the biggest fit for it. But obviously, you know, this is a, a product with enormous potential with broad-spectrum weeds uh, and, and different uh, use patterns. So um, we could demonstrate it in a number of different ways this year you know, because we've been limited to the amount of area we can treat. We've mm-hmm. just focused on side-by-side efficacy comparisons, but certainly we're looking to expand that into other areas so that we can uh, develop our knowledge in the next few years leading up to registration. Yep, uh, it'll be good. And so 2020, we'll certainly uh, be giving out more information about that one. But this year, we did have a um, whole range of advisors go through it. So they're starting to come along for the, the journey and understand this new Bayer 167 as it comes through. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And uh, yeah, so now once you've got those results, you've talked about a couple of different types of trials. Were there any others that you wanted to mention specifically? Um, well, in terms of trials, uh, switching from winter to summer, I've also started um, laying down some Roundup Ready ExtendFlex cotton trials. So um, uh, looking at the new herbicide application opportunities with uh, dicamba um, and uh, glyphosinate. So I actually put down double knock treatments this week and we'll look to start running our field days at those sites uh, over the coming months, uh, looking at predominantly weed control and um, there's been a lot of interest in that whilst there's not a lot of water to grow cotton at the moment um, the cotton industry is such a, a progressive industry and there's always a lot of interest in in anything that's new coming along that might help uh, advance them in terms of yield and, and weed control yeah no talking with richard jackman earlier on gus about extend flex and the enormous potential that has uh, it's going to be yeah really really good to see some of these trials and um, you know, sharing results and seeing how that will really fit as we go forward in the future. Obviously, not cotton in the west, um, down in the south part anyway. But you know, we uh, we're still very interested in how these technologies as tools, integrated weed management tools, how they'll fit and be a very useful for advisors and growers of the, the various crops. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so Gus, there's been a lot uh, happening in your patch, even despite the very dry season, unfortunately. But there's always a lot, and as I've I've talked to Richard Jackman about as well and the dry areas that he's been experiencing. There's always very strong learnings to come out of these types of seasons. So I guess for us now and yourself, uh, it's all about getting this data together. That's right. And, um, you know, no better time than the middle of summer when it's stinking hot outside and you can sit under the air conditioner and um, enter the data and write the reports and, and then review it all and start again when it starts to cool down a bit. Absolutely, and I know you'll be uh, constantly reminding us to get that data in, Gus, as you'll be certainly <laughs> pivotal in the broad acre of bringing a lot of that together from us. So I'll uh, be looking out for your shoe in my rear vision mirror, I reckon, mate. <laughs> All good. So, yeah, so Gus, um, you can get in touch with any of the Bayer technical field representatives, market development agronomists, um, through some numbers that we'll give out and ways at the end, but um, I'm on Twitter and you're on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle for people that you know, may want to get in touch with you or follow you on Twitter, Gus? Yeah, I'm at, at Gus Mac G U S M A C zero five Whitey. So at Gus Mac zero five. That's it. Very good. And mine is at photo by CW at photo by CW and everyone else in the team has one as well. And I'll put those Twitter handles in the show notes. So Gus, thanks very much for catching up. It's always great to talk to you and yeah, we'll um, catch up with you again very soon on Bayer Cropcast. Will do, Whitey. Thanks very much. All right. Catch you later. (laughs) 
Thanks for joining us on Bayer Cropcast. To get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, phone 1-800-804-479 to get in touch with us or visit the web at crop.bayer.com.au. Thanks for listening.